Welcome to the road. It is a Thursday at, uh, I don't care what time it is, but we're here again, me and Ron. And I want to clap, but I'm not allowed. And tonight, uh, we had discussed some topics and I ignored those topics. So now Ron is going to take over and tell us what we're talking about tonight. Well, I'm nothing like being thrown to the wolves. Hey, it's it's under the bus. Yeah. There's no wolves in here. Okay. Just one bus. So the bus, while it rests upon my head, has decided by random selection, we will discuss minimalism. Mm. And by extension? Intentional living. Ooh, I like that. And can I say, your headphones look really good today. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Now, now that... Dave's brought that up. We have to confess, we're now professional podcasters because money has been spent. Professional. Although I, I've I, got the official Sony studio quality. I don't know. I'm out of vocabulary. Now. M- MDR something. Yeah. MDR seven five zero six professional dynamic stereo headphones. Yeah, studio studio headset. Yes, amazing. Same as same as mine, and and to be fair, I spent a shitload of money <laughs> before you bought those headphones. So we've been professionals for a while, I would say. Well, I wasn't meaning that you, we didn't, you you know, that you hadn't spent a shitload of money. What I meant was these were purchased specifically for the podcast. That's true, because you spent a shitload of money specifically for your drum set. Yes. That we've hijacked dating, and made use of. I'm dating my drum set. Your she, drum set is well treated. She loves me. Anyway, <clears throat> we're now professionals. We, we are. both have appropriate headgear. Yep. Not not that I should complain. You know, the Beats worked, but the Sonys are better. Yeah, they're way sexier. And you also brought a, a new beer tonight from our, our local brewery, craft beer store, whatever. Yeah, this is way too much pressure. I can't remember what this one was called. It's a blackberry and Earl Grey tea blend. It's good. It reminds me of beer with blackberries and tea in it. It's actually surprisingly delicious. It is. I can't complain. All right. Anyways, if you guys don't know us, you probably like, shut the hell up by now. <laughs> so yeah, intentional living. This, this is fascinating because I... I don't know how to do that, and I am in. So I'm going to let you start. Well, so it it gets it all started when, you know, you kind of hear that word minimalism tossed around more and more. And I think we're coming across it in social media. We're hearing about it. There's, uh, you know, books and all kinds of stuff showing up, even documentaries on Netflix. And I took the time to watch that particular documentary just to... I guess see what uh, it was all about, see what the intention was. And I was actually quite surprised at how much they circled around that whole idea of living intentionally. You know, the idea that things are, things need to bring value to your life, not that things are valuable on their own. Well, it kind of ties into the whole idea of uh, mindfulness, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Mindfulness, intentional living, all, all very much the same idea. Not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination, but... Uh, kind of a new take on an old idea, I guess. And was that the website, uh, the minimalist.com or whatever? Is that those guys? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. But quite honestly, I, I wasn't so taken by 
them throwing away all of their clothing and suitcases <laughs> and stuff. Suitcases? As, as much as I was by the fact that um, they were more conscious of all the things going... Like, it reminded me of when we were kids, right? Because when you're a kid, you don't really care that your buddy's got a Rolex watch or that he's got Nike shoes or he's got a, you know, pro-fit hat or... Whatever's going on. Like, well, possessions aren't the same. Well, yeah, but they were. No, not when you're a little kid. How you're little? When you're a little kid, like, you know, three to seven. Okay. You know, but... Before you realize that stuff is stuff? Yeah. But time seemed to go forever. Like, you know, think back to, you know, for you running around on the acreage or, you know, going tobogganing for the day. Like, those days seem to last forever. And as an adult, you have so many other things you know, occupying your thoughts and your consciousness at any particular moment that the days go quickly and the years go slowly. It's kind of a, the opposite, uh, sort of circumstance. I think my years still go pretty quickly. Well, I, I keep track though. And I, by the time I get to the end of that year, it's like, yeah, I just looked at, I have a calendar on my wall and I mark off each day so that I can look back and say, wow, I didn't do anything this year again. Well, we're doing something this year. That's true. We are. So far, I'd say we're kicking ass on 2017, frankly. But I'm a little hard on myself. Yeah, well, that's why you got me around. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the, the whole idea was to, to be, you know, put all that other garbage on the back burner like you could when you were more focused on just living, you know. And I make the comparison to childhood because that's the last time I have vivid memories of living that way for consecutive days on end you know i think some of us kind of get there when you go on vacation or when you're doing something really that you're super passionate about time passes at a different speed things mean more you know even as you and i have these conversations i find this time is more intentional for for whatever reason but well we can talk for two hours and it doesn't feel like that no exactly but we're also focused on each other and we're kind of playing off each other and doing the interview thing or whatever whatever style it needs to take in order to get through these um you know it it just reminds me of of a simpler time right like yeah we're surrounded right now by thousands of dollars in technology in order to make this happen so we can have both of our listeners entertained for an hour but (laughs) (laughs) hi mom but uh aside from that you know in a more meaningful level you and i are connecting right right and so the whole idea of this minimalism thing is to remove the clutter from your life so that it's easier to focus on that stuff. So instead of saying, well, I got to go and do 11 loads of laundry when your buddy phones you up to go for wing night and you're making excuses, you throw on your one hat and your one pair of shoes, jump on your one bike and go have wings because you got nothing else on the go. Right. But that's a that's a pretty rare it's an example. Yeah. It's it's not, uh, you know, I mean, clearly that's not the, the premise of the whole documentary. The documentary is primarily revolves around the idea that we have lost our way with regard to defining success and defining uh, what satisfies us. And well, the difference is that we are, the, the where we are right now, like uh, in terms of evolution, we've advanced so far in the last 300 years that 
we've far outstripped what we need in any sense of the imagination, right? It's like, because nothing, we don't have to work for anything, really, except for money. But we don't, back in the day, you know, you had to go find your food, right? Oh, and yeah. And now no, we're just surrounded by much more simple for us, absolutely. Do you think it's more simple for us or for them? I think for them. Well, no, I, I mean simple in the in the sense of we can obtain the necessities so easily that we're able to be preoccupied with all this extra garbage. Right, but they their existence was simple. They They yeah. got up. They went and looked for food. They took care of that. They went to sleep when the sun went down. You know, like there wasn't much. Although, but at the same time, Dave, if you, if you're, if your day, if any given day, you didn't necessarily know if you had the food you needed to sustain your family, I don't think you would call that simple. That's actually makes things pretty complicated. It's complicated, but you, you only have like three things you need to worry about. Yeah. But right? But I guess what I'm what I'm getting at with my comment is, you don't have stress about the necessities, right? Food is easy, shelter is reasonably easy as long as you live within your means as far as monetary means, and transportation, etc. Although in Canada, you could probably make the argument we go a little bit overboard just because we're so uh, huge as a nation, but our populations are so far apart. Overboard with what? Well, in the sense of most everybody, no, nah, that's not necessarily true. Most everybody outside of the major urban major urban centers need to have a vehicle in order to function effectively. Right. Because like a lot of towns just don't have public transit in Canada, right? So, but anyway, my point is that we we no longer have to stress over the basics, so we stress over the minutia. Instead of worrying about uh, can I make sure I have enough food to get my family through the winter. We worry about, do I have the right brand name of clothes? And does my neighbors think I belong in their social circles? And can I compete with my friends or relatives or whatever you want to do? You know, as far as are we having the same kind of life experiences? Are we going on the same kind of vacations? Do my kids have what their kids have? Whatever that takes, whatever shape that takes. Hmm. So what was the documentary trying to say? Just that we need to like throw all our shit away and like focus? I think the, the, the overarching idea was if you throw your shit away, it's easier to focus on what's actually important to you. So instead of trying to make as much money as possible and use that as your measure of success, uh, measure your success by how meaningful your relationships are. Measure your success by... Uh, having an impact on people will people actually miss you when you're gone i i don't know for me especially given that i work in a healthcare field and i enjoy having an impact on people's lives those kind of questions really have always mattered to me but i thought it was quite poignant right like if i stopped worrying about whether or not my cd collection is complete or i have all the blu-ray movies i want and spent a little bit more time you know, with my friends and family and stuff, would that be a better use? And I think most people would say, yeah. It takes some time to ponder it. it is, it's a big idea, right? It's, you know, actually, in some ways, while I was watching that and absorbing and processing the information, thinking about the fact that you and I were going to talk about this, I saw actually a fair number of parallels between some of the transitions you've been making in the last year or two. Like... 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to wrap my head around right now is that um, my value system has shifted a lot in the last year and a half, and now, uh, like, even with my relationship with my kids, right? Like, that's a big one for me because I used to work out of the out of the house, so I was gone all day, you know, and I missed a lot of my kids growing up just because I wasn't there, right, working. And, you know, it's not to say that you don't see them every day, but quality time with your kids after a long day of work, you know, between supper and going to bed is not necessarily the best of anyone's world, right? But now that I'm working from home and I'm spending a lot of time, like, especially with my youngest, because he's home all day, it's, it's so different in terms of, like, how much I look forward to it and how much weight I put on it as a parent and as a human, like... I need that now, and and it's it's just different, and I, I don't know how that relates to getting rid of shit, but I mean I guess I got rid of my commute and my office job and all that, and now I stay at home. But even in your bigger social circle, Dave, right? Like, could you imagine you and I doing this podcast five years ago? No, we didn't talk five years ago. Well, three years ago? No. Two years ago? No. One year ago? No. Yeah. So, you know, kind of my point, right? Like, as you're shedding some of the, I guess, baggage, for lack of a better word, or, or whatever whatever um, value system that you had in place that worked for you at the time, you're making more room for people in your life, right? And you're valuing your relationships, not only with your kids, but with your friends and with your your uh, neighbors and with your, your, you know, extended family. Like I've heard you talk about more members of your family in the last week than I heard you talk about in the last six years. <laughs> and that's because of that's more contact than I've had in the last six years. Right. But you get my point, right? Like mm-hmm. You can see why, as I was contemplating this whole big ideology, all ideology and all this big material that thinking about coming to have this conversation, you know, I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of... And sometimes I feel that way, too. Like, I think for me, I go through periods where relationships are more important than other periods of time. But I always find myself trying to stay connected to people for different reasons. Like, professionally, I do it. I try to stay in contact with a number of my peers across the province just because I find value in it, right? Like, their experiences help me out. And sometimes I feel like I can help them out in return. Right. My family... You know, as I've said before, my parents are older when they had children, which is unusual for that generation. But as a result, a lot of my relatives are older. And, you know, you, I guess you, as I get older, I value the time with them differently than I did when I was younger. And, you know, I may not always seek those opportunities, but when they arise, I relish them and I try to make full opportunity of them. You know, we've had a couple of big milestone birthdays for my parents and invite extended family. And you try to hang out and do things and, you know, do what you can do just to, to kind of foster those relationships. Facebook has been good in its own way for keeping you connected, although it's not the same as a meaningful relationship. It's still a connection. It gives you at least a, a starting point. Well, I refused to go on Facebook for the last decade. Yeah. Until this year or last year, I guess. But you kind of did it vicariously through your partner, right? At the time, like, like you didn't, yeah. you didn't get yourself out there. But 
I guess we always felt like you had a, a presence a little bit. Like some of that was getting back to you. Right, yeah. Yeah, there was some definite trickle-down effect, but I was not engaged. No. And now I'm, you know, I'm still not like always posting shit on Facebook every day, but I do try to engage, right? Yep. And I've actually reconnected with a lot of people that I haven't heard from in years just from that. And that, but I mean, that's what my last two years has been is trying to fucking reconnect with the world because I forgot how. So anyway, like the, like going back to what I was saying, you know, I could see some parallels between your life and what you were going through. But I, I think there's a lot of parallels in there for a lot of us. You know, you forget how important those relationships can be to you. You forget how uh, little it matters that you have the latest and greatest gadget or whatever it is that. No, you're that really that life. really matters to me. Well. I think around certain parts of technology, it can matter to people. Like, I really want an iPhone 7. Yeah, see? But iPhone 8 is just around the corner, and you're going to really want that, too. Uh, so I should wait? Well, I'm just saying. I can't afford either one, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs. So expensive. Well, <clears throat> I got to admit, my iPhone 7 pretty sweet. You son of a bitch. All right, whatever. This, but, this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> but you forget that, you know, even though like some of those things that make your life easier, you, you still, they still hold a value, right? But really like, you know, no matter what I do, right? Like, you know, hunting, I enjoy it because of the people I do it with. Fishing, I enjoy it because of the people I do it with. Uh, pod, you, podcasting, I enjoy it because of the people I do it with. But wouldn't, couldn't you do it? You could do all those solo. You could, yeah. But it's not the same. And for me, it's not as fun. Because hmm. it's, it's about the shared experience. And it's it's about the relationship. It's about... Like, if I go fishing on my own and I come home and tell you about this beautiful 22-inch cutthroat trout I caught, you're like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Did you keep it so we can eat it? I'm like, no, I put it back. You're like, oh, that was a pretty much a waste of five minutes of my life listening to you talk. It's not the same. If you were there, you could see the excitement. You watched the battle. You know, you hiked in, hiked out. You did the drive. You why didn't, why didn't you bring it home? It. It's just an example. <laughs> no, but, but a lot of the places I go fishing, you can't bring it home. I oh. guess let's put it that way. All right. But, you know, the point being that sharing the experience is more valuable a lot of the time than the actual experience itself. And that's that whole intentional living piece, right? Is I think you could say that, though, about experience as, as solo as well. Experience is better than than something material in every situation. Absolutely. It's like, I want to do more. Like, uh, I'm starting to feel that way about Christmas. And I know, like, our Christmases have been, like, very different in terms of how you do it and how I do it. And well, No, not... Anyway, you guys don't go overboard. No, we don't. No, and in the last, like, since we started having kids, like my um, my previous partner was like crazy about Christmas and would spend shitloads of money on Christmas. And this year was the first time that I actually bought my kids presents for Christmas, and I went overboard too. But I was like really excited about it because I've never bought them presents like by myself before, right? Yeah, that's pretty understandable. But. I can already see 
most of those presents have been discarded. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, I got a lot of joy out of doing that and of picking them out and watching them open them. But now we're, it's, it's only February and, and, you know, 80% of that shit is no longer even relevant. So next year I will do things very differently than I did this year. I will, I would way rather do something experiential or exper. What's the word? Is that a word? Experiential. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. In something that has to do with an experience that I can have with my children, as opposed to something me buy them something that they will enjoy for ten minutes and then toss. Right. Yeah, and that's. I think we just came to that realization at a different time, right? Right. So, you know, we we don't go so grandiose as to necessarily volume, but we try to do something quality. You know, we talked uh, in a previous episode about something they need, something to wear, something to read, and something, you know, fun. Well, some of that fun stuff can be more long-term, right? Like, this year, year, uh, our son Dean, he got... uh, a gift from Santa Claus that will last him for years in the form of an iPad mini, you know, not the best, not top of the line by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, Santa got a good deal on it. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, but you that's can't, the kind you of can't thing. go wrong with an iPad. No. And you know, all things being equal, you know, hopefully we'll get four or five years out of it. So, you know, not going to end up in February on the heap. Right? right. No, for sure. That's a good. That's a good purchase. Well, you can't get wrong with Apple. No. <laughs> hey, Apple, if you're listening, we're looking for sponsors for the show, so we will plug your stuff because we love it. I love it. You mean the fact that we have an iPad or iMac Pro and an iMac computer recording this? Yeah. And we both have iPhones. Yeah. 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 This is all Apple all the way, except for our Sony headphones. Yeah. Also, Sony, if you're listening, we're uh, looking for sponsors for the show. Headphones. All right. Anyway, the, the whole idea of intentional living really, really touched me in a couple other ways too, right? Like, there's a whole, whole other cultural movements that that kind of speak to the same thing, right? Like, there's this whole idea around eating local. There's a whole idea about these miniature houses. Uh, you know, it, it's okay, wait, wait, really let's communal. Let's expand on on both of those a little bit. So, like the the you know hundred mile kind of diet thing, where you're trying to gather as much food and as much resources from your own community as possible, so that you're not really leaving a big footprint. You're intentionally. But is that is that like not shopping at superstore kind of thing? Well, or how do you mean like? Yeah, so I think the people who are really into that movement would say, yeah, no, Superstore's the devil. Uh, the, no good. <laughs> the devil. Well, in the sense of in the sense of the massive amount of money it costs to keep a store like that operating, mm-hmm. the massive amount of you know ungreen things that they do, the waste. So, so we're talking about like farmers markets. Yeah, we're talking about local grown stuff, okay. whether that be greenhouses or whatnot. Like in Alberta, it's a challenging concept. Is it? Well, to eat only what you can find within 100 miles of your house, yeah, it is in parts of Alberta. Well, I feel like where we are, like, I could probably get a full, like, side of beef and all the veggies. Where are you going to get salt? Salt? Yep. Uh, How about pepper? I'm going to grill it. (laughs) 
Okay, yeah, that, okay, fair. I don't and, know. You know, like there's just certain things you can't get. We don't. Okay, have... so is that a realistic movement then? Is it? Well, I, but the the purpose of it isn't necessarily to be a hundred percent. It's just to be mindful it's about to where mindful it's coming. Mindful about right? what you're doing. You See, know, this is a mindfulness podcast. Now, this well, is this is what it is. Sure. This is the only thing we're talking about, really. Well, yeah, it's it's euphemisms for the same concept. I love the idea of mindfulness. And the meditation cushion behind you speaks to how much I love it. Is that what that is? I thought that was a hemorrhoid cushion. (laughs) Also, the fact that it doesn't look very well used also speaks to how well I'm doing at that. But, uh, yeah, it is a hemorrhoid cushion. You're right. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, I love the whole Buddhism uh, philosophy and mindfulness and but it's not a it's not something you can just switch on and off like it's a definitely a practice that's why they call it a practice and it's tough yeah no i think we we accidentally switch it off like we ignore that little voice in your head for convenience right like when god is talking to me and i just ignore it well no more like when you decide oh i really want to have x and mm. you forget about the fact that some little kid in a sweatshop in indonesia had to make that for you. Well, see, I don't... Yeah, I tend not to think about that. Is that clothes? Yeah, like the t-shirt you're wearing right now. Tea party? Concert shirt? Yeah, if you looked at the tag, I guarantee you that was not made in North America. <laughs> Probably not. I'm going to take your word for it. All right. So I think we just established that the Tea Party, the band, the Canadian band, uses sweatshops in Indonesia to make their their band clothing. I, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> what, what we've established. That's Ron. That's what Ron said. I'm going with it, you guys. So you were commenting about mindful living, and that being very similar to minimalism. And I, I think mm, really no, by no, no, no. not, I don't think it's similar to minimalism. Well, actually, it is. It's like almost, like I said, they're almost euphemisms one for the other. No, no because you could mindfully uh, own a whole bunch of stuff. That's not the same thing. But mindfulness in its larger sense is about the experience, not about the possession. Well, I think it's more about the intention of what you're doing, right? Well, so let's say you want to build a... like You're, the, you're, you're circling me in semantics. It's no, 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 all no. the same. But no, minimalism is like it's it's having as little of something as possible to get by, right? No. Okay, then enlighten me. What's minimalism? It it's about keeping your life as simple as you can, so that you can enjoy the experiences rather than worry about the pursuit of items. Okay, but what if you had to build something complicated? You then can't. You build something complicated. So you're saying that in a complicated system, you still go as minimal as possible. Is that the idea? Yeah. Well, it's about being mindful of the fact that you, like, say, you know, you decided to build your own house. So you gather the tools and the instructions on how to do that. Once you're done with that, you're mindful of the fact that you don't need all of those things. So you sell them, give them away, pass them on to the next person doing a similar thing. Hmm. Instead of constantly accumulating more you utilize what you have and you try to keep your life as simple as you can interesting yeah i've kind of taken a an interesting journey on that because uh my father was a hoarder 
I think we talked about this a yeah. little bit. Have we? On the yeah. show? No, I don't, I don't remember. personally we have. Yeah. So where I grew up, uh, my dad we did not throw away anything. Like we had trailers and trailers of shit on our property. Um, you know, v- so many vehicles. I think like over 100 vehicles on, on our lot. And we had to deal with all that stuff when he died. Uh, go through it and figure out what it was. And he wouldn't have gotten rid of any of it on his own. So when he died, we went through a bunch of it. We got rid of a lot, threw away a lot, but I also kept a lot. And then every time I moved, that chunk of my dad's shit kind of grew smaller and smaller to the point now where it's it's probably about 40 boxes in my garage, <laughs> which is still a lot, but it's not uh, it's not in my house. It's not interfering with anything. It's just sitting there, you know. It's still affecting me because I need to get rid of it. But, you know, now, uh, since my, uh, since I'm not married anymore, when, when my wife moved out, I mean, she took a lot of stuff and I sent a lot more stuff with her than she actually wanted me to. So my whole opinion on life is like less, 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 less. Let's get rid of it. Right. I don't necessarily do that. There's still a bunch of shit in the basement. But my house is definitely way emptier than it was. And I try and keep it that way. You? Yeah. I don't know. Did did that make any sense? No, it does. Like, yeah, it's... I don't know. I think through life, you collect a certain amount of stuff. Partly out of need, partly out of uh, some... Um, nostalgia, yeah. I guess sentimentality, definitely sentimentality. Yeah, yeah. no, whatever, <clears throat> whatever you want to call it, but you know, a certain amount of your collection at some point is just um, memories that are taking up space. Mm-hmm. And yeah, memories—that's a good way to put it. That is what pretty much all of that is. Yep, memories. Yep, and and if you're not revisiting those memories, or if they're not useful, um, uh, you know, cut them loose. My biggest hang-up is, uh, like, magazines and books and things that I feel like I want to go back to for stuff. Like, you know, if there might be a fly pattern I want to tie in there or a recipe I liked. And so instead of keeping that page, I tend to keep the whole thing because Mm. I like to keep the pristine, you know, book. And not that that should be that way, but that's the way it is for me. Yeah. We've tried a couple times, like, oh, I think probably even since you've lived here, we've had a bin roll up on the driveway, and we've purged out a bunch of crap, and, and you know, take a bunch of stuff to the recyclers, and... Yeah, and then when you guys are sleeping, I go in that bin, and I take all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny, because some people, I think, were doing that. Oh, yeah, they were. Uh, but, you know, I mean, even... That was me. Yeah. <laughs> there was also a lot of people in the neighborhood adding stuff to the pile, so it all kind of worked out. Yeah. You know the but the yeah I mean we we try we're we're not experts by any stretch of the imagination and some of it is just a nostalgic sentimentality thing for for us you know we have a lot of I guess junk for lack of a better term that we probably could get rid of and simplify our lives like quite honestly I think some of the happiest living most of us ever do are when you go away and you're living in like a 
rental space or a hotel or whatever. You got a bed, you got a little bit of entertainment in the form of a TV. You got clean towels and lights that shut off and blinds that work. <laughs> yeah, air conditioning. Yeah, you know, that's nice. Shut it down, go to sleep. You're not really worried about the fact that you don't have all the drawings from your kids in grade one and right. all, all that other stuff, you know, piling up in your life. But on the flip side of that coin, you know, some of the coolest experiences I've had with people interacting on a personal level, you know, you go into a, a senior's home or, or an elderly person's home and they got pictures of all their friends and family and grandkids and great grandkids and all the little stories that that stuff tells. And you can tell how valuable those are to those individuals, you know, and yeah, their house looks cluttered and it looks like a, a bit of a mess, you know, a, a minimalist might say that that's not ideal, but you know, there's a context for the, some of that stuff. So I struggle with the balance piece, right? Like I don't think I need to live in a white house with beige blinds and you know carpeted floor and one pair of shoes and one pair of jeans like that that kind of thing doesn't necessarily interest me but living in the moment uh taking that spiritual moment out of an experience that you're having with your friends or your kids or family whoever you're involved with um appreciating what's going on around you slowing down uh intentionally being part of uh, a moment like those kind of things i get that 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 speaks to me in a way not to say that i'm always good at it but that stuff makes a lot of sense to me well minimalism as a concept is 100 percent subjective oh yeah for sure so i mean your minimalism is not the same as mine right well I, yeah I, I mean i think that's fair i don't think you'll find necessarily two people who would agree on the concept I think, though, that you and I are, are kind of in agreement that it's not necessarily for us about living with as little as possible. It's more about that overarching philosophy of of being intentional, being mindful about what it is that you're doing. But that is a crazy hard thing. Yeah. No, uh, it's not easy. And in fact, if you can accomplish that for more than an hour a day, some days I feel like you're doing a hell of a good <laughs> an hour. job. Yeah. Well, you, some days. Do you meditate? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I guess not in a formal way, but I take time for myself. And, you know, I do have some deep breathing exercises that I'll do on occasion. And, and uh, you know, on, on my commute home and, and to work, I take a route that allows me a few moments for just some mindful reflection on the day so I can separate work and home life a little bit easier hmm. yeah that's nice you know it's not meditation in in the formal sense like i'm not practicing yeah like it's not like i'm sitting there with my eyes closed and clearing my mind but i do what i need to do yeah well i i definitely try and meditate i don't do it as often as i want to but the idea of it is you focus on your breath so when when i sit down you basically find that section of your nose or your mouth where you can feel the air passage and you focus on that. And I can do it for seconds. <laughs> and then I'm thinking about 
TV show. I'm thinking about yesterday. I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about some girl. I'm thinking about podcasting. <laughs> I'm thinking about anything but meditating. And then I'll be like, oh, shit. And then I go back to the breath. And it's just, it's a constant struggle. But, I mean, it, it is a practice. That's why they call it that. So you can get you can get good at it. And the more you do that, the more that's supposed to trickle into everything, every other part of your life. So yeah. I'm hoping that'll happen to me. You know, like for me, sometimes it's easier for me depending on my physical location. So say I'm out by a river in a nice little calm section where, you know, I'm, I'm doing some fly fishing or, or whatever. Even just stop to have a bite to eat at lunch. There's something about it that those moments that are easier. Because well, your brain is already programmed to like click into slow down mode. No, for sure. Right? Yeah, and and I think that's absolutely right. Like I understand on a subconscious level that those moments mean more to me, and so I can consciously change how I how I view those moments for sure. You know, same when I'm out scouting or hunting or spending time in the woods. You know, you could lean up against a tree. And just watch the, the tall trees as they move in the wind. And you could spend an hour sitting there just totally mesmerized by what's going on around you. Yeah. Not having a conscious thought about any of the list of things you ran through uh, during your meditation conversation. Right. right? right. Just, just, you know, nothing more than feeling amazed by how far those trees can bend in a stiff breeze. And the fact that you're out there enjoying it and there's that solitude and peacefulness about it. That's what life should be. Oh man. Like <laughs> you have no idea how bad I just want to drive <laughs> yeah. over to the woods. Yeah. Right now. Let's go. Let's go find some woods. I'm just going to stare at some fucking trees until tomorrow. Ah, uh, but the, you know, I, there's just something about those contextual moments and it's hard to do that in a concrete drywall hardwood floored environment or because well, we're busy right well are we busy or do we make ourselves busy because we think that's what we have to do uh, like I'm, that whole idea do I'm you busy. work to live or do you live to work like do i get up every morning because i have to or do i get up every morning because i want to right? i have to well and i think that's the answer for far too many people far too much of the time yeah it is. It sucks. It does. I don't want that. There's life. nothing worse than feeling like you're a slave to somebody else, right? All right. So everybody needs to quit their jobs. No. Oh, I thought that's what you were getting at. There. No, I, I, I'm just getting at the fact that <clears throat> the part of part of the whole thing, like part of even what the that documentary on minimalism was saying, is you'll not find happiness chasing a dollar from your, your employer. Like, no matter how many dollars they throw your direction, the end result is not satisfaction or happiness. No, is, so the idea is to That is not a measurement back. of success. Right. So you That, that is not fulfilling it. to the human spirit. That is not going to make you a better person or feel better about yourself. Yeah, but at the same token, you couldn't just quit your job right now and walk away. Sure I could. Why? Well, it depends on what you're willing to give up in exchange. So realistically, could you? Yeah. Then your family would be fine. Well, our circumstances would change. If I walked away from my job, we'd have to sell our house and we'd have to do something different with our vehicle situation. And, you know, there's there's consequences to those decisions. But could we still survive? Absolutely. It would just be different. Yeah, I guess so. Like maybe we end up in a trailer on an acreage with 100 cars. 
You know, and <laughs> that's not to say that's why? better or worse. It's just why? different. Why do you need so many cars, Ron? I'm just saying, Dave. You know, yeah, I know. It, it, you know, you go from suburbia to to something different. It doesn't mean that you made a bad choice. It just means you made a different decision somewhere along the way that landed you at a slightly different path, right? So, yeah, I could walk away from my job. I'm not saying that I would want to. I personally, I don't mind getting up in the morning. I enjoy what I do. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm pretty lucky at that. But there are days when I don't feel that way. And there are moments during the day when I don't always feel that way. 99% of the time, I do feel that way. But I, I feel like I'm fortunate in that sense. That does seem fortunate. I've always hated my job. Well, and I think that's part of what is driving you back to your art and stuff, right? Like, we've talked about that a little bit before. I hope so. But it's definitely a struggle because I know that me, like, walking away from my job, that that changes everything. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that right now. But is that, I guess for you, is that because of your situation or is that because of your kids? Hmm. Well, it's both, right? Like, they rely on me. I don't know. It's different now because it's not like I can... I, I Because I'm separated, I can't necessarily make all the decisions. You know what I mean? Like, I have a certain obligation to to child support and make sure they have what they need, right? Like, it's different when you have kids. You have... I have four kids. Four kids who are now more important than anything that I could choose to decide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're first. So... I chose to have the kids. I chose to put them in front of whatever I need. In, sort of, right? I mean, obviously, I need to keep myself healthy and shit. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, their needs come first. I get that. Yeah. So for me to say, fuck it, I'm going to go follow my dreams and we're going to go live in a tent. <laughs> you can't just do that, right? That's not That's not a thing that you can do. Or it's not a thing that I would be willing to do, let's say. I would not choose to put my kids in a disadvantaged position because I feel like I made some wrong decisions and ended up out of control of my life. So I guess I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit on that. And, you know, just to be clear, this isn't necessarily how I feel, but I feel like it's worth asking the question. Shoot. Is it a disadvantage to have a dad who's exponentially more happy and fulfilled and a slightly different living circumstance. Uh, kids are resilient. But do you think that the example of you being a good soldier supersedes your pursuit of happiness? Mm, that's tough. No. I, I think you get what I'm driving yeah, at, right? Yeah, I get what you're driving at. I think, yes, my kids would be benefited more by seeing me chasing my dreams and succeeding than they would by me paying the fucking bills because they don't even know or give a shit that I do that at this point. Right. Whatever, Ron. What What do you want me to do? Well, no, I, I understand there's realities to those decisions and, and you, you covered them quite efficiently. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, we're talking a lot about personal growth and I think one of the themes through our podcast so far has been to to ask those kind of questions right like mm. it doesn't mean i i wouldn't support you either way and certainly i support your decision to uh maintain some form of 
stability for your kids as they've been through quite a bit in the last year. And I certainly support your decision to uh, grasp the financial realities of separation and and you know you you know some some of the challenges that you've had even in the last few months uh, would have been much more challenging for you to deal with in different life circumstances. So I'm not saying that what you're doing is wrong. I'm just saying, you know, we have an opportunity during this conversation to ask those kind of more enlightened questions, right? Because I think you and I would agree that your kids are probably better served watching you struggle to be the best person you can be than they are watching you continue to go to a job that you quote unquote hate. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I've been bitching about this for so many years now. I don't know <laughs> if I can. Uh... That's a huge leap. It is. In this book I'm reading right now, there basically every decision we make is either tied to pain or pleasure. So whatever weight we put on, the amount of pain it's going to cause us or the amount of pleasure it's going to cause us will directly affect which decision we make at any given time. But the idea is that most of the time, our interpretation of the pain and pleasure we will get in the short term is completely wrong as opposed to in the long term. So we will choose short term pleasure over um, short term pain, even though the short term pain will give us long term pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like for me to say, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to quit my job or I'm going to work really hard on something I really want to make. And I'm going to try and take that leap to the next level. It's like, okay, well, in order for me to do that, I'm going to have to experience this amount of pain. I'll put that off in, in, you know, in favor of doing something that doesn't cause me that much pain, even though it's causing me long-term pain on the other side of it. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get you. And I think we've all experienced that. I mean, anybody that's had a mortgage knows what short-term pleasure and long-term <laughs> pain is all about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the most tangible examples that most people can relate to anyway. Hmm. But how many decisions are made that way? That That's actually a really interesting question all on its own. I think a lot. Yeah. There, there's very few people that will choose short-term pain for long-term pleasure. Because... Our brains are, are not wired necessarily for long term. They're wired for survival. So it's like, if this is going to hurt me right now, I'm going to avoid it. If this is going to hurt me later, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we, we don't see that far. Boy, how many, how many relationships could be saved by this little <laughs> treasure of advice? Uh, yeah. 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 Like, even, even how you and I might interact with each other, right? Like... Yesterday I was hassling you because I wanted to tape the podcast, right? And and you and I know that we're joking back and forth, but taken out of context, probably could have done some damage to our relationship just in how, how we banter, right? Yeah. And, uh... But it's just a small example, right? right. Where, um, you know, you, you, you try, like you go your friends or, or maybe you avoid a conflict or... Maybe you, uh, you know, put something off just because you don't want to face that, right? Right. And those things, like in a longer relationship, build and build and build and build until eventually there's a crossroads. And sometimes you don't get past that point, right? Right. But that kind of comes back to the intentional living thing, right? It's it's looking at, 
it's looking at all the uh, potential choices and consequences of something before you do it, and then intentionally choosing one. Yeah, it's like, do I want to eat this bag of salt and vinegar Lay's chips tonight, or do I not? Right? If I eat it right now, it's gonna be fucking amazing, and I'm gonna love it. But tomorrow, I'm not. I'm gonna be upset about it because you're out of Lay's. Yeah. Because I'm on a lace. Oh, that, that's the worst. But <laughs> there's a store like right down the road. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, I think I, I should have I should have bought two bags of lays, is what I'm saying. See? Long term pain. See? I made the wrong decision. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I and I think all too many people can relate to the comment, right? The you know, we really aren't wired to consider long term consequences in anything we do. Because we're instinctual. We are instinctual humans. Like, well, not humans. We're not humans. I'm not a human. I don't know if you're a human. We're instinctual beings. So the, we, I think the idea to contemplate consequence is, is something that only humanity has. Because we can consider our own existence and, and decide how that fits into the universe as we feel that it should, Right. No other creature on earth has that ability, I don't think, to really like contemplate their own existence. I don't think that's that's a thing. So mindfulness in that context is exactly the same thing. We're the only being on earth that has the ability to like weigh pros and cons of a of a decision and then act on it according to how we've rationally come to some, you know, decision regarding what's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? For sure, but like as you as you sit back and contemplate that whole idea, how different would the world be if we weren't wired for survival first? What if we were wired for long term pleasure? Well, then we're talking about complete hedonism. <laughs> no, I don't think we are. I think we're talking about an absolute utopia. If, if everything I did in my life was for long-term benefit of everybody around me, mm. wow. But you can do that. No, I, I agree. We're capable of that. But I think, I think you're lying to me if you think anybody's actually doing it. Uh, 100% of the time. No, no, that's impossible. But so many of our decisions are made... Uh, unconsciously, number one. No, for sure. But how much different would the world be? Well, it, would, it would be. I watched a crazy video today, uh, which I've, I've seen before, and I've read some of the, the paperwork regarding it, but it's the idea of, of addiction. Have you, have you seen this? The the concept of the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection? Yeah, I've seen stuff like that, for sure. So they did a study with rats where they would lace one... Uh, you put a rat in a cage and you... Give them two jugs of water. One is just water. One is laced with heroin. So the the rat in the cage will try both of the jugs and eventually will start drinking only the heroin water and will keep drinking that until it ODs and dies. So the scientist that was doing the study was like, what the, okay, well, that's weird, but he's by himself. So what if we do this as a group? So basically he built like a rat paradise where rats could have sex all day. They could eat whatever they wanted. They had stuff to play with like there was all these things and they still had the same two choices in water they had normal water and they had water laced with heroin and the surprising results of the, of the test was that the rats in the community group 
did not ever overuse the heroin water. Nobody over nobody overdosed on it, and they they honestly didn't really touch it as much as they drank normal water because the rats were fucking happy. So the results of the survey or of the study was that the the opposite of addiction isn't not having the drug. It's not the drug that's the problem. It's the fact that as humans we connect with anything, whether it's positive or negative. We will use we we need that innate connection we just have that desire and we will connect with something so if i wasn't your best friend now you'd be addicted to heroin water yes that is exactly what i said that is sad i would be dead i would have od'd on heroin water by now is what i'm saying no actually you know i'm not surprised to hear you come out with something like that and i I, you know the result of that doesn't overly surprise me much either I never, I never thought of it that way. But truly, abstinence has never been the answer to any question other than what is the stupidest idea man can come up with. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't work with sex. It doesn't work with drugs. It doesn't work with guns. It doesn't work with nuclear bombs. You know, if man invents it, you can be damn sure he's going to try it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. We've proven that a million times over. There's never been something that man has created that they haven't at least tried once. Right. So, you know, abstinence is not the answer. Community, like, you think about it, right? Like, one of the biggest moments in your life when you get the most euphoria, the most natural high, is kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. When somebody's there to experience your life with you. You know, part of what makes relationships rewarding as far as long-term relationships, friendships rewarding, family rewarding, is that you're you're there for one another you you share that common bond you know you look at phenomena even locally like the Airdrie dads phenomena or other service groups you know a kiwanis or kinsman or you should explain what Airdrie dads is well Airdrie dads is a social network of guys here locally in our community who go out of their way to help make the community a better place they fund and help support different causes they you know help each other out you know we do lots of different things in the community i'm kind of more of a fringe person in that particular group but i value what it is that we do collectively you know i've given financial support even though i haven't been able to give much of my time but it's kind of a modern take on an old idea right like is airdrie dads really that different from kiwanis or or you know whatever service group comes to mind the knights templar sure no i mean they're all similar in that they're trying to serve a a greater good right they're trying to take from the communal pool and redistribute so that everybody gets what they need right you know anyway the point being that those community ideas are intensely valuable and and intensely valued by those who partake right so the fact that community or connection is the answer i I don't know does that does that really surprise us it it surprised me the first time i heard it because i am notoriously unconnected up until now like this is the first time in my life i've been actively seeking connection right yeah no fair and so but like how upset would you be if i came in here and found you dead like you, you that well, idea I, of that would no, but the idea of that would upset you, right? Well, I'd be dead, so I wouldn't really. No, be upset. but the idea of that upsets you, I'm sure. 
or one of your kids finding you or whatever, right? Okay, yeah. Like, you, you know, you have that innate, that built-in defense mechanism that says, well, this isn't good for the people around me. Right. Yeah. So, you, you know, even though you haven't sought that connection, you still have that intuition, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I think we're built with that. Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. What are we even talking about anymore? Well, I think we, you know, we're still talking about this whole idea about about being intentional, right? Like being meaning, meaning, and and finding finding. You know, we were talking about work, and we were talking about the idea of, of connecting and finding a purpose, and finding. You know, I was challenging you a bit about is it worse for you to walk away from your job and pursue your dreams, or or not and and we got on to a tangent about meaning you know finding meaningfulness in your life or finding some connection but you know it all revolves back around that whole idea right like you know if you're chasing your art and i'm watching the trees sway in the wind um you know are we being productive in the traditional sense you know sometimes probably we don't feel that way but those moments are some of the best moments right like, when do you feel better than when you're doing, you know, when you're sketching on your iPad or doing your thing? Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's when you're contributing something. Yeah? I don't, like, it's hard for me to relate to, like, I, like See, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I, I like what I do. Like, yeah, and I'm batshit crazy, so you got to kind of. Yeah. I am. I am. I can't make sense of myself. Honest to God, I just struggle every day. But yeah, I know I know what you're saying, yes. Yeah, there is moments where I'm like I can feel myself in the flow of something that feels real to me, where it's like, "Oh, this is what I want." Right? But, you know, 99% of my life is not that. You know, it's making lunches for kids and working and driving to the liquor store. <laughs> I feel like we've turned uh, a corner on this podcast. No, no, because the point is, regardless of how down or how far down you go, the it's it's about mindfulness. It's like if I can see myself objectively where I am and say this is not what I want, being mindful of that outlook is me saying, okay, I can change this too at the same time, right? Because mindfulness is is to be objective to the moment. This is exactly what is, and there is nothing else. So then, what what would you do to change? Oh my God, that's a loaded question. But I think I think we've been building up to this. We've talked about this even De- in our epilogue. That it depends what you want. Of the two of us, you you are at a point in your life where you can name a very specific change you want to make. Yeah, I have a list. I have a bunch of goals this year. Yeah. I want to get uh I want to sign a publishing deal with a major publisher. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I want to put out an EP, so a an, a record. I want to lose some weight, get fit. I want to meditate every day. So, what's step 1 look like? Uh well, there's a step 1 for all of those. Uh, being fit would be me working out every day, which hasn't worked at all. 
so far. No, but maybe 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 you're thinking even too big. Three times maybe, a week. Maybe putting out this podcast, making it public, that you have yeah. some of these goals. Maybe that's step one. Yeah. Well, that is on a list. Right? Yeah. But, you know, my point is that now, you know, there's at least four of us that know what your plan is and can help <laughs> hold you to account. Hey, Ron's mom. <laughs> uh, what's your mom's name? Betty. Betty. How you doing? Anyway, I accountability, think accountability and mindfulness. Those are the two biggest things that we need as humans to objectively move forward as a race. And support. Like, I think it's up to us. Well, accountability counts as support. Yeah, accountability is a form of support. But, you know, sometimes even with accountability, you're going to fall on your face, right? And sometimes when you fall, it's much easier to get up when somebody's standing beside you cheering you on. Yeah, that's true. I do love my friends. We love you too, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. I love you. I love you, man. Wow. Okay, well, this is a this episode can't be over, but I think we need to wrap it up for today. Yeah. Because we're, we're over an hour now. We need to come back to this, though. This is a deep one. Well, and I think mindful living is one of those things... Like we talked about in our epilogue, a lot of these themes come out back, right? And I think, you know, you and I mentioned even even then and a couple of times in our other podcasts, um, we're not necessarily religious, but we're spiritual. And I think mindful living, you know, being uh, uh, in the moment, that whole idea for me is a lot of what I find spiritual. Mm, me too. Because there's a different level of connection when you're being intentional. Yeah, because it's like it's like taking that first step out on the on the bridge, right? Sure. You you're making a choice to think of or to trust and to think of something differently. I don't know. There's a lot of levels to this one. Yeah. But even like yeah, I mean, for us, in some ways, it was as simple as putting on our headphones. Yeah. Right? You know, we didn't have to really trust anybody. We didn't, nobody's doing this for us. But we've intentionally sat down and had a meaningful conversation for us. You know, acknowledging that this is more about us than about anybody yeah. else out there. It is. Sorry, you guys look great, but this isn't all about you. You guys look fantastic, but we don't care. It's about me and Ron. <laughs> but the point is, you know, we're putting in the work to do it, which means we get to reap the reward and which means we don't have to value the critics, right? Like, yeah, okay, I'm not an expert on minimalism or mindful living or any of that, but, you know, I have a point of view. And I'm I'm okay with putting it out there and letting people take their shots at me if they want to. Yeah, and we ha- I have a couple really good books on mindfulness that um, maybe I'll put in show notes that would be worth it for you guys. Cool. And then uh, we're going to talk about this again, though. This is this is a big one. Yeah, well, we can circle back to all kinds of things. This one permeates everything. This is like uh, the influence of your parents. It permeates the whole <laughs> damn thing. You know, a lot of common yeah. themes and a lot of these heavier topics we want to talk about. And I think that's why... It's important we throw in a lighter topic. 
like you know why i like sports and why you're broken or <laughs> or I'm not, I'm who's broken. the best joker or whatever right yeah. because heath ledger we can't we can't do this over and over and over again and get to a different result the problem is even though you and i are really different a lot of these bigger philosophical things we have a lot of common ground yeah and but you know what we are i think we are going to be able to, to come back to these over and over because um even just listening back to some of the stuff we have talked about already like it's changing the way that i think about certain things and it's good it's positive yeah no i mean editing the first couple of podcasts was really enlightening you know there's some stuff in there that you're like oh do i really want that going public and there's some stuff in there that you're like, did I really say that? <laughs> and then there's some stuff in there that's like, wow, I'm smart sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, no, I agree. We will circle back, and I'm sure we'll touch on this topic in a in hundred different ways. But, uh, you know, I just hope somebody out there finds some of this valuable. I mean, while it is about us, uh, you know, at the same time, it, it is... You know, just about challenging people to, to stop and, and think about some of this stuff too, right? Mm -hmm. Especially us. Especially us. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, you know, Dave, as always, it's been great. I appreciate you uh, hosting us over here for the podcast. You know, guys, make sure you go check out onfin.com. That's A-U-N-F-I-N.com. That's where our podcasts are hosted from. Dave's got a lot of his art and other creative endeavors there. You know, go hit them up, buy a poster. Uh, if you like what we're doing, leave us a comment, fire us an email, look us up on Twitter, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Yes, please do that. All right. Well, love you, Ron. Yeah, love you too, Dave. Thanks, man. Good night. Good night.